Welcome to Luke 21 Radio, a broadcast explaining biblical prophecy in the tradition of St. Augustine. And now, from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood, and welcome to Luke 21 Radio as we continue our studies in the book of Revelation. And today we are in Revelation chapter 9, and we begin with the fifth trumpet. If you remember in the book of Revelation, we have seven seal judgments that are opened. Then we have seven trumpet judgments and seven bowl judgments. And those three sets of seven judgments make up the bulk of the middle section of the book of Revelation. Now, as chapter 8 concluded, the last verse says, woe, 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 a triple woe. In other words, the trumpets one through four that we read about in chapter 8 were bad, but with this triple woe for trumpet judgments five, six, and seven, it means things are going to go from bad to much worse, hence the triple woe for these trumpet judgments five, six, and seven. Let me give you a history overview of the history of the world, and it's going to be real simple. It's only three steps. The first step is the times before Jesus. In the pre-Christian times, darkness covered the nations of the world. It says in Isaiah 25 and verse 7, he will destroy in this mountain the covering that is cast over all peoples, the veil that is spread over all nations. Interesting, kind of this veil blocking the vision and knowledge of God. It says in Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 2, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness. So before the times of Christ, there was a profound spiritual darkness that kept the nations encased in an idolatrous paganism. And what happened then is stage two. Stage one, darkness covers the world. Stage two, Christ comes and dispels the darkness who is Jesus but the light of the world? And Matthew, quoting the same reference to Isaiah 9, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. For those who sat in the region and shadow of death, light has dawned. So we go from darkness and a darkness that's a veil, a, a covering that's basically imprisoning the minds and spiritual perceptions of the Gentile nations. And then Christ comes, defeats those powers, and brings light to the world in stage two. Now, there is a stage three that is so often overlooked by those trying to explain what's happening, I believe, in our world today, and something that's often ignored as we 
develop our understanding of the Christian faith. There is a stage three. There is a predicted time in Scripture and in the Catechism where there will be a great reversal. In other words, the nations of the world were, are going to go from the light of Christ back to darkness again, and that brings us to Revelation chapter 9. And the fifth angel blew his trumpet. And I saw a star fallen from heaven to earth, and he was given the key of the shaft of the bottomless pit. He opened the shaft of the bottomless pit, and from the shaft arose smoke like the smoke of a great furnace, and the sun and the air were darkened with the smoke from the shaft. Now, this isn't talking about the industrial age pollution of the environment. This is talking about from the abyss, from the darkness of the demonic and Satan-filled abyss, smoke will come out and darken the spiritual perceptions of the nations again. This same thing that this basically stage that I've described to you, that now we're enjoying the light of Christ, in the end of the book of Revelation, it also warns in a similar way to what Revelation 9 is warning, but that there's going to be a great deception over the nations right before the time of Christ's second coming. In Revelation 20, it says, I saw an angel coming down from heaven holding in his hand the key of the bottomless pit. This is the bottomless pit referred to in Revelation 9 and verse 2. And he seized the dragon, the serpent, who is the devil, and bound him for a thousand years. And this thousand years is simply the age of the church. He threw him into the pit, shut it, and sealed him over. And then there's a purpose clause, that he should deceive the nations no more until the thousand years were ended. In other words, with the coming of Christ, for the ability of the church to spread throughout the world, Satan had to be bound, and he was chained, he was dumped into this abyss, and this is, of course, figurative language, but this is the idea of the church age. And he won't be able to deceive the nations in the same way he did before Christ's coming until the thousand years were ended. This is, again, simply the church age. After that, he must be loosed for a little while. Then we get to the second phase in Revelation 20. And when the thousand years were ended, again, the church age, Satan will be loosed from his prison and will come out to deceive the nations, which are at the four corners of the earth to gather them for battle. Now, when he comes out to deceive the nations, this is the darkness, this is the blindness, this is the smoke, whatever you want to call it. In other words, at the very end of the church age, there's going to be a brief period of time where the nations of the world will, in large measure, apostatize, turn their backs on the light of Christ, and go back to pre-Christian darkness, smoke. Uh, the veil deceiving their minds. And then, of course, at the end of that time in Revelation 20, the devil and those who follow him were cast into the lake of fire and tormented day and night forever and ever. Hell is forever and ever. Now, what's very interesting 
is that Pope Leo XIII in 1888 had a vision at the end of a papal mass where he saw basically Satan was given permission by God for a relatively brief period of time, and I'm talking about the scope of redemptive history, say like a century, to be able to attack the church. And how he attacks, he's a liar, he's a deceiver, and through his darkness, he's given permission. And so Pope Leo XIII composed a prayer. Most of you are familiar with the short version, which we used to pray after Mass. There's also a long version, which is actually an exorcism prayer that only exorcists should use. But that exorcism prayer follows in lockstep with what St. John teaches in the book of Revelation, namely chapter 9 and chapter 20. And here's how it goes. First, Satan, the deceiver of the nations, is cast into the abyss. And here's how the prayer goes. That cruel, that ancient serpent, who is called the devil or Satan, who seduces, that's deceives, the whole world, was cast into the abyss with his angels. So that's part one. Just like Revelation 20, the devil is put into the abyss, and the, the purpose of it, he can't deceive the world anymore. Then there's a part B to the long form of the St. Michael the Archangel prayer. Satan comes out of the abyss, and his, here's how the prayer goes. Behold, this primeval enemy and slayer of man wanders about, present tense, now wanders about with all the multitude of wicked spirits invading the earth in order to blot out. This is the smoke eclipse, if you will, in order to blot out the name of God and of his Christ. So in other words, Satan's put into the abyss. What terrified this godly pope? Well, he was seeing this ability of Satan to come back out of the abyss. And it's almost like he has the ability to, except for those who are staying very close to Jesus, take the nations back into pagan darkness. And so there's a part three to the long form of the St. Michael the Archangel prayer. It's a prayer for this little time, little season of deception to end. And beating down the dragon, the ancient serpent who is the devil and Satan, do thou again make him captive in the abyss, that he may no longer seduce the nations. But what is he doing now? Part B, he is seducing the nations. This is, in clear as I can tell, what has been going on for the bulk of the last century. How do you explain communism, which is an atheistic anti-God philosophy? How do you explain modernism? How do you explain the sexual revolution? How do you explain the crisis in the church? I think it's found right here in Revelation 9 and 20 and the long form of the St. Michael the Archangel prayer by Pope Leo XIII. And this is a private revelation, but it's simply seconded by Anne Catherine Emmerich. This is from her Dolores Passion of Our Lord Jesus Christ. In the center of hell, I saw a dark and horrible-looking abyss, and into this Lucifer was cast after being strongly secured with chains. 
Thick clouds of sulfurous black smoke arose from its fearful depths and enveloped his frightful form. I was likely told, if I remember correctly, that he will be unchained for a time, 50 or 60 years before the year of Christ 2000. But a certain number of demons are to be let loose much earlier than Lucifer in order to tempt men. And again, I go back to the warning of Cardinal Newman, which I shared with you last episode, who warned of the great apostasy. And he feared that this was the dark time predicted by Christ and his apostles. And he said, we can't know for certain. And I'm lining up very carefully with Cardinal Newman, said we can't know with absolute certainty if that time has actually arrived, but our times are a perfect picture at minimum of what that great terrible time will be like. And so I recommend that midst of all the comments of what's going on in our world and analysis an overlooked section of the Catechism of the Catholic Church, paragraph 677. The church will enter the glory of the kingdom only through this final Passover with God's victory over the final unleashing of evil. The final unleashing of evil, Revelation 9, Revelation 20, long form of the St. Michael, the archangel prayer, Anne Catherine Emmerich, Cardinal Newman, and a host of others, the final unleashing of evil. I'm Steve Wood, your host, and you've been listening to episode 89 of Luke 21 Radio. Luke 21 is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. To learn more about biblical prophecy and to order copies of Luke 21 broadcasts, visit us online at luke21.com.